0: Amen. You you can clap for Jesus any you want. That's okay. That's good. In fact, you know, when I'm in Africa, I know we're Presbyterian, but when I'm in Africa, you get a lot of amens. So that's, that's okay with me too this morning, all right? They tell me to preach for an hour. I'm trying to not do that here, okay? <laughs> I knew I'd get an amen from the front row on that one. <laughs> Oh, it is our joy to be with you in worship each Sunday that we're here. We actually leave in 11 days for Burundi. If you don't know where that is, you can go home and Google it. But we're going to be there for six weeks training pastors, and we we really need your prayers. So I simply would unashamedly ask you to pray for us. Uh, Steve Curtis just got back from China. I think he's with his father for his 85th birthday today, and Dan just got back from Cuba, I think. I don't see Dan, but I think he's just got back from Cuba. But we need your prayers, and so I just would unashamedly ask for your prayers as God gives grace to to train pastors, and my wife is training Sunday school teachers. I want to uh, encourage you to turn uh, to John 21. We're going to be in John 21, verses 3 through 19 this morning, and as is your custom here, which is a a great custom, in honor of the reading of God's Word, those of you who are able, I simply would invite you to stand with me. John 21, beginning in verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place, which... Fish with fish, fish laid out on it in bread, and Jesus said to them, "Bring some of the fish you've just caught." So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, a hundred and fifty-three of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, "Come and have breakfast." None of the disciples dared ask him, "Who are you?" They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Would you pray with me? And Father, we are your people in need, Lord, of your word this morning. And so I do ask in Jesus' name that by the presence and power of your Holy Spirit that you'd somehow, Lord, work through a broken clay pot to, to accomplish your glorious purposes, Lord, in our hearts and lives. We, we long to be a people, Lord God, who follow you, who love you more deeply. So give us that grace through the preaching of your word this day. H- have your way with us in us this day. We ask it together in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to begin with a story. Betsy's husband left her for another woman, leaving her two sons to raise on her own. Now, when her sons got in their teenage years, one of them particularly seemed to delight in making her angry. He knew exactly what buttons to push that would set her off. And when she would get angry with her son, she often got angry with her Lord. She she felt stuck in this cycle. She would ask the Lord to forgive her, ask the Lord to help her not get angry, then her son would do something, and it would make her angry. Then she would get angry at her son, then she would turn that anger towards herself for getting angry at her son, and then she turned it toward the Lord and blamed him, saying, you're not doing enough to help me with my anger. In fact, one night she got so angry with her son, that she stormed out of the house, slammed the door, cursing God all the way down to the local bar where she proceeded to get very drunk. And so the next morning, besides the hangover, she had this overwhelming feeling of guilt. Guilt for the curses she had spoken against God, guilt for continuing to give in to the same sin over and over again, guilt for doing something she knew did not please the Lord. And she was struggling, how can I be restored to a right relationship with the Lord my God? Now that's one of probably a hundred scenarios that I could share with you that all have what I would call a familiar ring to them. It's something that sounds similar. You hear these stories a lot as a pastor. of Places and times where as a, as a born-again Christian, we, we get in our flesh for a few moments or maybe longer. And we act and do things that we know don't please the Lord, leaving us in a place where we feel like we've failed him. Most of us, I think, can relate to Betsy and our story this morning. And so I think the right question to ask is, how can we be restored to a right relationship with the Lord our God, whom we love with all of our hearts? Maybe that's where you are this morning. Well, we have a wonderful example this morning with the Apostle Peter. You may remember this this part of the back story, where it was the night Jesus was betrayed. Judas had already left the room. Peter declares boldly, I will never deny you. And that's when Jesus looks at him sadly and says, Peter, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. Which is, of course, exactly what takes place. And now Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. And he's appeared to the disciples a couple of times, but he has not yet addressed Peter's failure. I want us to look carefully at this text this morning to see what takes place so we can understand how the Lord restores Peter and really the results after the Lord restores Peter and and, and what God does through him, our, our theme I think it's on your bulletin this morning, but Jesus lovingly restores us to a relationship with himself, which results in dynamic ministry in and then through us. We are his children. And so it's been a few weeks since Jesus' resurrection, but at the forefront of Peter's mind clearly is his own failure. The context in John 21, I think, tells us that Peter's thinking about giving up. I mean, I want you to think about this for a moment, because Peter has not yet been fishing, hasn't been fishing for three years since Jesus initially called him in Luke 5 to stop fishing for fish and to fish for men. You remember, Peter hasn't been fishing. But yet, all of a sudden, he has this desire to go back to his old profession, his, his old way of life. Was Peter wondering if denying his Lord wasn't tantamount to being rejected as a disciple? Again, remember, Jesus has already appeared to the disciples twice. He, has, he said zero to Peter about his denials. He has addressed Thomas's refusal to believe, remember, but he has said nothing to Peter. And so when you look at this, you think to yourself, huh, I wonder why all this is taking place. Well, again, the context helps us see things, I think, more clearly, because Peter tells the disciples, I'm going out fishing again. Now, he's the leader, so they decide, some of them, they'll go with him. And they fish all night, and they catch nothing. Now, that's significant. We're going to talk about that more in just a moment. And so it's early in the morning. You you fish at night. Those of you that are fishermen, which is not me, okay? You, you fish at night. That's when you catch the most fish. So it's early in the morning, and... What happens in the morning? You you who are from farms or rural areas, what's happening with roosters in the morning? Okay, Undoubtedly, there's roosters that are, many of them are crowing. They crow all the time, but especially when the sun's rising. And so there are that remembrance, I guess, if you want to say it that way, to Peter's failure is the first thing you really encounter in this passage. The second thing you encounter is Jesus has a fire going on the beach. Now, remember the story from Peter. Jesus is being tried in Caiaphas' house. Peter is in the courtyard outside, and he's warming himself by a fire, remember, when the maid accuses him, oh, you're one of his followers. And he vehemently denies that he is, and then he hears the rooster crow. There's a fire going on the beach, a remembrance, a reminder of Peter's denials of his Lord. And then in our text this morning, Jesus calls out from the beach, have you caught any fish? No. Well, he knows they haven't. This is not a mystery to him. Throw your net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. That's exactly what takes place in Luke 5 when Jesus initially called him. Exactly the same scenario. Is that an accident? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Jesus is setting up these elements so that it will be very, 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 very clear what's taking place. And then, of course, when, when they let their nets down in response to Jesus, they catch this huge catch of fish. 153, and Jesus even prevents their nets from breaking. So all the reminders are there: the rooster's crowing, the fire, okay, the the, the catch of fish when they gather together on that beach. John John tells Peter. Uh, it's the Lord. And of course, Peter can't wait. He grabs his cloak, jumps in, swims to shore as the disciples drag this huge haul of fish to shore. But there's this intimate gathering on the beach where Jesus is feeding his disciples bread and fish. Very, very much like what would have happened during the Last Supper. And so that brings us to, I think, one key question from the text. Why does Jesus wait to address Peter's denials? It almost feels unloving if you look at it from a human point of view. Now, we know the character of Jesus, right? The Son of God, who who exactly reflects the character of the Father, who loves us without exception. So we know that's not the case. So then why, why does he wait? You know, God loves you. He loves me. He does, right where you are. And Sometimes that love means though. He sends difficulty Into your life or at least he allows pain into your life. Why he loves you that hasn't changed There's something greater that he's doing in your life It's, it's no different than, than parents or perhaps grandparents who if a young boy your son or grandson is about to do something You know is dangerous. What do you do? You discipline him. Does he understand why you're disciplining him? Probably not But you're doing it because you love him. You see it's it's really the same principle With the lord our god and so we know that the resurrected jesus he doesn't lack wisdom he knows exactly what peter needs and exactly when peter needs it and in fact what jesus is doing here has something to do with what he wants to do in peter's life in the future think about that for yourself whatever the lord allows into our lives he loves us he brings it for his own good purposes and has something to do with us in us but through us for the future which brings us to our second point. Because I want you to see how Jesus addresses Peter. Because it, you have this intimate breakfast together with all the disciples, and it seems like Jesus sort of pulls Peter aside and asks him three times if he loves him. Now, remember, Peter denied Jesus three times. Right? He asked Peter three times, Do you love me? Is there an accident here? No! Okay. He's, he wants Peter to get the point. And he does. The text says Peter is grieved when the Lord asks him the third time if he loves him. Peter, he sees his sin. He sees his failure for what it is, his denial of Jesus as it is. And so as you look at this this passage, Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, I used to think that these referred to the other disciples. It doesn't. Uh, the Greek is clearer than the English for sure this neuter which is talking about the boat and the nets what he's asking Peter is Peter do you love me more than your old way of life more than your profession of fishing more than what you were accomplishing as a fisherman do you love me more than that Peter's tempted remember to go back to his old way of life the Lord had called him out of that way of life he's tempted to go back to it for this short period Jesus is asking, do you love your profession of fishing more than you love me? Now, men especially, women struggle here, but men, I am one, I get this, okay, this is me. We struggle with allowing our self-worth to be rooted in accomplishing something. Now, we define it in different ways. We have our arbitrary way of defining what that is. Sometimes your company defines it for you, I don't know. But much of, our, much of our, our self-worth is rooted in our own understanding of, of our successfulness or what we've accomplished in life, which is one of the things Jesus is challenging Peter with in this passage. Now, I'm preaching to myself here. This came brutally, brutally home to me when I was in college. You see, in my family, my parents, they, they loved us. They loved my brothers, and I, I knew they loved me. But my older brother excelled, and when I mean excelled, I mean really excelled in academics. I could never measure up to his standard. And I knew that my parents were proud of us when we excelled in academics, I could see that. And so I believed this lie inside of myself that to truly be loved, to fully be loved, I had to achieve a certain success or standard in grades. I still remember this like it was yesterday and it was a long time ago. By the grace of God, I'm sitting inside a car with closed windows when I opened my report card at Wake Forest, okay? And I got a C, in a course, I thought I had an A in. Now, inside of me, there was an explosion. I don't know how to describe it to you, except anger just erupted out of me. Anger and curses and you name it. Ugh, it was terrible. In fact, it was so volatile that when I was done, I had actually scared myself. I'm like, wow, where did that come from? Well, you know where it comes from, because Jesus tells us, right? What comes out of your mouth comes from where? that's exactly where it came from. So I not only had to confess my sin, the things I did outwardly, but I had to confess the lie that I was believing, that that to be truly loved I had to achieve certain grades in a course, which, which my parents never said, you understand, okay? It's just the way that sometimes we misinterpret what's going on in life. But I had to die to that area of my life. That's what had to happen because I was achieving my my self-worth from grades. Wrong source, y'all. And Jesus is asking all of us a similar question, I believe, this morning. Do you love me more than, and you can fill these in with whatever you want to, with what you accomplish for some of you. For some of you, it's how much money you have or make. For some of you, It's how much people love you or what people's perception or opinion is of you. I think it's different for different ones of us. And I can easily sit there and say, yes, I do, Jesus. But, oh, goodness, when the difficulties of life come, you know how that works. And and, and what's inside you starts to get squeezed out. That's when you really see what's going on in your hearts. It's in those moments, okay, when we see, when I see, I'll, I'll put it first person. That goodness, I can fall back into my flesh, into my old pattern of lifestyle. I'm thinking in a second, if I'm not very, very careful. That's why Jesus says five times in four gospels. That means it's important. Okay. Anyone who would come after me must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now taking up your cross means you die. You can't kill yourself. That's what Jesus does. You say, Lord, this area of my life, and for me it was my grades. Would you put this to death? It has to die. It it doesn't achieve. It's not accomplishing anything in me or for your good purposes. And the Lord lovingly, graciously does that in our lives. We, We have to own our own sin as part of what I'm saying. Peter had to own his own sin. But then we take it to the cross and we receive and own the fullness of the grace of God for us. Amen? Now, the other fascinating thing about this interaction is the grace that Jesus shows Peter in this passage. Jesus asks Peter, Peter, do you agape, is the word used, me? That's what he, he asks. Do you agape me? Do you selflessly love? Agape originates in the heart of God, not in your heart, not in my heart. Okay? So when we come to Christ and, and, and we receive his agape, we're able to give his agape away to others. That's the way it works for all of us. Now, when Peter responds to Jesus, he says, Yes, Lord, you know that I phileo. That's brotherly love. It's not wrong. It's right. It's good. But he uses a different word, not selfless love of God, but I love you as as a dear, 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 dear brother. And he wasn't, he was being honest, is what he was being in, in the passage. In fact, the second time, Jesus asked Peter, Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Now the third time, listen to this. Jesus says, Peter, do you flail me? It's not an accident. Some people think it's stylistic. I don't think so. Because Jesus is choosing the same language that Peter is using. Why? Because he's meeting Peter where he is, you see. That's that's the point. He's not asking Peter to be somebody he can't be on his own. He's meeting him where he is. He knows how the Holy Spirit is going to work in Peter's life, right? To bring him to that place of agape. So he meets Peter where he is. That's a work of grace, my dear friends, which we all need. In other words, Jesus, he knows you better than you know yourself. He knows every place, every time, times you don't even know about. He knows when you've failed him or sinned or whatever language you want to use there. And he loves you where you are and will meet you where you are praise god that's true my friends some christians have this wrong idea that oh i messed up this week i gotta get I gotta get my life right before i can go back to jesus that's not only false it's impossible okay <laughs> it's never gonna happen ever it's a work of grace you see in my life in your life jesus meets us where we are and he he helps us take that next step along the way to put it a different way it's not your ability it really isn't to live the Christian life. It is Christ's ability to work in you and through you. So will you surrender? Do we have a part? Yes, we have a part. We surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I lay down. what it, you, you can name it. You can confess it. You should own it. Yes, that's true. I lay it down before you. I ask for your grace in this moment to help me. So maybe you're like betsy in our opening story you have something in your life you can fill in the blank i i, I didn't think it was an accident by the way that celebrate recovery was sort of the, you know the introduction i didn't know that from this morning but it, it fits very well here all right because that's true of all of us in my view all of us need to celebrate recovery I, i'm serious about that I, I need to celebrate recovery in my own life but there are some christians that i meet actually quite often Who have really lost hope God, I just can't do I I fall all the time in this area and I can't I can't do better I can't I can't fix it well that's true you can't fix it But, but they lose hope I don't lose hope you know I have perfect hope I do for you I have perfect hope for you and my hope has nothing to do with you nothing to do with Stacy nothing to do with me and everything to do with Christ's finished work on the cross that's where we go, you see. We, we, we go to the cross. Y- yes, we have a part. We, we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. But for those of you that, that are struggling in this area of your life, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You go to the Lord, you say, Lord, you know about this struggle, but my hope is with you to restore me to this vibrant relationship that you've given to me in Christ. I trust your work on the cross. I don't trust myself. I trust you to do this work in me. Which brings us, to our final thought this morning. Because the first time that Jesus tells Peter to let down his nets for that catch of fish in Luke chapter 5, if you want to read it this afternoon, they do it, and of course there's a huge catch of fish, but immediately following that catch of fish, Jesus tells Peter and Andrew, his brother who's with him, come follow me. Now in our text this morning, again, Jesus recreates that passage identically. Have you caught any fish? No. We have it. Jesus knew this. Now listen to me here. I'm talking about your spiritual life, but I'm also talking about you, business or whatever you're, you you engage in in your lives. Jesus is the one who empowers, dear brothers and sisters. He's the one who enables. He's the one who brings sales into your life my son just started a new job of sales what am i praying for my son's life yes we always pray for him but i'm praying that god would give him that he would know it's god who's giving him the sales that he has because that's the way it works it isn't your ability that's still the point of the passage okay it's not your ability whatever skill set god has given to you praise god for it but it's his ability to work in you and through you as you're submitted to the work of his spirit And so immediately after this catch of fish, Jesus says to Peter the exact same thing. He said in Luke 5, Come, follow me. In other words, he's saying to him, Peter, I I, I know you denied me three times. I I, I understand this. But my calling on your life has not changed. You hear that? My love for you, it has not changed. (laughs) My desire to work in your life, it has not changed. There are so many Christians I meet that they, they, they struggle so much with this. But the Lord is saying to Peter, let's start over. You know, Peter wanted, I believe, to hear this word of restoration. But Jesus not only speaks it, but he shows him. Peter would never again forget what Jesus did here. And you see the fruit that comes out of Peter's life as a result of it. You remember after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit falls on on all the 120 disciples who are gathered there, and they're mocked by some... And Peter gets up who used to put his foot in his mouth if you read the rest of the Gospels and he preaches this powerful sermon and 3,000 people come to faith in Christ in one day praise God Peter leads the early church the lame walk the blind see Peter the Holy Spirit by an angel leads him in response to the prayers of God's people in Acts 12 out of out of a prison what you see in Peter's life is fantastic ministry it's not Peter It's the Holy Spirit working through an available vessel who's been restored to a right relationship with Jesus. And so the gospel offers me and you the same thing this morning. Exactly. Yes, Jesus knows every time, every place, you've blown it. You say, but I've blown up. Jesus knows every time and every place you've blown it better than you do, actually. He loves you in that place. God's call on your life it hasn't changed it hasn't changed it's not dependent upon you it's dependent upon Jesus and what he's accomplished for you and so yes we're forgiven and yes we again cooperate with the Holy Spirit yes we say Lord I'm your son I'm your daughter I belong to you give me grace not to live like your son and your daughter today so I would, I would please you I want to be in that vibrant relationship with you so have you blown it join the club so have I so as everybody who's honest with me for 10 seconds so have they that isn't the point okay I'm not celebrating blowing it. don't don't hear that okay all right but we acknowledge the weakness of our flesh before God he knows it you don't tell him what he doesn't understand (laughs) he knows it better than you do again but the grace of God is available for you this morning will you receive it is the question Remember Betsy in our opening story. Let me tell you the end of that story because she really didn't know what to do. She felt lost. I'm not talking about her salvation per se, but she felt just lost. I don't know what to do. So she went to her pastor. Her pastor wisely led her in a prayer of confession. Again, owning your sin, we do do that. Now, confession, I tell African pastors all the time, look, confession does not forgive your sin. Jesus has done that already at the cross if you believe in him. Confession is the acknowledgement of what you've done and is a part of the process the Holy Spirit uses to make us more and more like his son Jesus. That's, that's what confession is about. And so we, yes, we own, I love the fact that Stacy does that every Sunday. We own our own sin fully, completely, as much as we're able. And then we, we, we bring it to the cross is what we do. So the, the pastor led her to, to receive the forgiveness that Jesus had already purchased for her. And then the pastor led her in what I call a prayer of release. I don't know if that's a technical name or not, but this is like a prayer of release. Lord, I I release my son to you. He's yours. I can't change him. True, by the way. I can't change him, but you can. I can't change myself, my anger, but you can. And I believe you're going to, as a matter of fact. And I'm asking you to do that. And also, I'm offering myself in whatever way you would choose to use me in my son's life, I just offer myself in Jesus' name. Now, now, the rest, if you believe that, the rest is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, again, we faithfully follow. And what she did is she went home and, no, literally, before her son, and explained the story of grace that she had just experienced in her own life. And she said to her son, I love you, period. That will never change. However, you have to make a choice. Are you going to live for Christ In this home or not I love you but but if you choose not to you really ultimately need to find another place to live because this is going to be a place for Christ to rule and reign now if you want to live for Christ I want you to stay as long as you want in fact I want you to serve alongside me that's powerful actually serve alongside me that Christ will be known our relationship needs to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ so he did in this story, the, 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 the son actually, there's there anger from the father leaving other things. You know, I'm not going into all those details. But in this case, the, the son did. He asked for forgiveness and committed himself by, by, his, by the Lord's grace to walk with the Lord. Now, it doesn't always work that fast in our lives, right? The Lord was waiting, I believe, for Betsy in this case to, to, to lay down the whole situation before the Lord. But this I know is true for me and you. Our Lord, He loves us. He he knows us. He knows what you're struggling with this morning, whatever that is, however you define it. The Lord knows about it. And yes, He's inviting you to be in that vibrant relationship with Him today. His call on your life hasn't changed. His love for you, it hasn't changed. The fact that you're a son or a daughter, if you're born again, you are. That hasn't changed, and that will never change. You see, that's the gospel for us. And So I'm going to simply pray a very simple prayer uh this morning in response to our sermon and again you 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 have to do business with your god on with god on your own i'm going to allow you to do that in a moment then i'm going to invite stacy up to, to close our time so could you pray with me good father what a joy it is to be able to come to you anytime anywhere carrying anything lord and Lord, we come this morning back to you by faith. We, we, we trust you, Lord God, in what you've accomplished at the cross. We believe, Lord, the truth of the gospel today for ourselves again. And Lord, we bring before you these things we struggle with. Go ahead, just, just name it. The Lord knows about it, but just name it in your own heart. Name it. And Holy Spirit, would you meet us right where we are? Would you bring assurance, confidence, encouragement to that one this morning who needs that? Meet us where we are. I believe you are. I believe you will. Give us grace, Lord God, to cooperate with what your Holy Spirit wants to do in this hour so that Jesus Christ would be glorified in and through our lives. Lord, we ask it together in Jesus' name. Amen.